everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm Eric Victor. And I'm Wiley Gore. And today our topic is chemical analytics through micro and nanofluidics. Let's begin with a brief history and introduction to the topic at hand. Microfluidics allow complicated procedures, usually performed in a laboratory, to be scaled down onto a chip that can fit into your hand. The components of these chips can be anywhere from tens to the hundreds of micrometers in scale, going even smaller in the case of nanofluidics. The first instance of this technology being used was a gas chromatograph developed in 1975 at Stanford University. Chromatography is one method of separating mixtures and either analyzing their specific components or breaking them up for future use. Putting the entire process onto a chip made analyzing materials easier to accomplish by requiring a very small amount of material, speeding up the process, and getting rid of the need for a dedicated laboratory. This technology is commonly known as lab on a chip because it basically shrinks the experiments down onto a chip. While a big breakthrough did occur in 1975, research into this technology did not pick up until the late 1980s, at which point it received attention from two major parties, the first of which was the government, who sought a method of detecting chemical and biological weapon threats. The second push was from the world of molecular biologists, who needed the precision and high resolution offered by microfluidic chips to study genomics and sequence DNA. Since then, micro and nanofluidics have been steadily gaining more ground. Now let's take a look at how the technology works. Generally speaking, microfluid devices all require the same basic components. They need a way for the reagent to enter and exit the system, channels for the reagent to flow through, and a way to mix or separate the materials being used. The most difficult part of this is exerting the level of control over the fluids necessary to make them react. This can be accomplished by measuring the dimensions and calculating Reynolds number, which compares initial forces to viscous forces. A low Reynolds number indicates laminar flow in which the fluids flow in layers, whereas a high Reynolds number indicates turbulence flow in which mixing is likely to occur. One common method of creating chips with the level of precision required is top-down fabrication through soft lithography. This process allows control over details from 10 to 1,000 nanometers. Soft lithography is relatively straightforward, starting with a prepared mask of the chip design and a wafer coated in photoresist. The mask is placed over the wafer and UV light is used to start hardening the exposed photoresist. After dissolving of the unexposed photoresist, the waiver can be used to transfer the desired pattern onto a polymer, usually PDMS. This is then bonded to a glass plate, sealing and forming the chip. Microfluidic and nanofluidic technologies are just starting to take off, though. While not yet perfect by any means, scientists and engineers both have high hopes and expectations for the future of this technology. To give one example, in the field of medicine, microfluidics are being used for bioassaying, which has multiple implications. First off, it can help the pharmaceutical industry by allowing for easier analysis of various drugs and their properties. Additionally, lab-on-chip technology can be developed for the specific purpose of analyzing tissues and bodily fluids to diagnose disease states in patients with both accuracy and speed. Scientists are facing some problems when it comes to the research and development of micro and nanofluidic technology, especially in the case of nanofluidic, which is only just starting to be understood. Nanofluidic technology is a tricky subject because the fundamental technology needed to study things in the extended nanospace of 10 nanometer to 1 micrometer simply is not effective enough. 
fluid properties at a level are still yet to be fully understood, and as such, they are difficult to control. But in the future, nanofluidics have the potential to do things such as allowing scientists to study single cells in new ways. The eventual expectation for these technologies is to provide a low-cost, portable, and easy-to-operate method for chemical and biological testing in a variety of situations without the need for a large amount of resources. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show.